Welcome to Sunstorm, where we get real about what's happening in the world and what we're doing about it, because we are the light in the storm. Hi, this is iGen. Today we have something a little different for you. A little while ago, Alicia and I hosted a live recording of Sunstorm at the Hammer Museum in Los Angeles. The incredible Don Leanne Gardner joined us on stage. Dawn is a committed activist and has been canvassing with us in Georgia and involved in so many organizations like Women for Women International, Harness, Inspire Justice, Reform LA Jails, Time's Up, and so many more. She's also the star of a little show called Queen Sugar. We had the best time talking to her, and we're so excited to be able to share this conversation with all of you. This conversation was recorded at the Nimoy Studio at the Hammer Museum in Los Angeles, which believes in the promise of art and ideas to illuminate our lives and build a more just world. Thank you so much to Claudia Bester and the whole team at the Hammer. Here's Dawn. I'm so good. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy I'm, I'm here so too. I'm so happy you're here. Okay. I'm sort of fangirling out, no, you guys. No, it's me. I That's know, me. I know. It's weird. But I am because, first of all, you are Shiro's. Like, that's just Aww. true. Like, I play one. <laughs> You are the real thing. I'm not gonna let you get away with that, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move into it. But I'm gonna let you finish, like Kanye. Uh-huh. <laughs> but second of all, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my gosh, I Jenna and Alicia, I'm I'm sort of their baby. If they had a baby, I'd be it. <laughs> I thought about that in the dressing room. I know, I was like, is that why we like each other so much? <laughs> Look, so I'm very spirit. happy to be here, mom and mom. Look at spirit working. This is a real thing. So, Queen Sugar. Mm-hmm. That's my show. <laughs> like, really, when I watch this, I feel like my mom, and she put her hand in the air and said, that's my show. <laughs> right? That's how I feel about Queen Sugar. Um, shout out to Ava. Absolutely. And all the amazing actors on the show, all the people who contribute to making it what it is. And you are one of those people. So you play Charlie in this show. And can I tell a quick story? Yeah. So we mentioned that we door knocked together in Atlanta, Georgia. What was so special was walking up to doors with you and Omar Dorsey, who plays Hollywood on the show. And people's responses, they were like my mom. They opened the door. Yes! <laughs> What's up, Charlie? How you doing, Hollywood? And really, like, draw it out, too. Yeah. Hollywood, yeah. you know? Oh, he got more attention. It was like a thing. <laughs> it was a whole thing. So this tells you how popular the show is. And there's a reason for that, right? It's a beautiful show about the intricacies and complexities of black life in the South. It's running through with all of these beautiful themes around land and racism, the legacy of racism and the very present of racism. So tell me what Charlie Bordelone means to you. She was a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was so excited to play her and it wasn't because of what I think what is shiny and sexy about her, right? Like Mm -hmm. 
her power and her badassery, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of that is so right on the surface. It's accessible. It's enticing as an actor. So that was the sort of on the surface. But for me, underneath that was this crisis. Underneath all the perfection, or at least all the presentation, <laughs> there was actually something that was fractured. Mm. And until her life crumbled, she would never see it. Mm. And she would never get to it. Well, that's kind of deep. That's kind of like America. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And now, now she's this giant opportunity to know myself. Mm. So... Charlie, when you first meet her in the show, she is um, an entertainment attorney. She's a a professional manager, sports manager. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Her man is a famous basketball player who gets caught up in a scandal. He's accused of sexual assault. Yes. So what actually he does, which is not talked about enough in our culture, he facilitates he a facilitates sexual a sexual assault and yeah. doesn't intervene. He more than doesn't intervene. He literally helps it happen. Oh, he completely provides the space for it to happen. So Charlie shows up in this community yeah. where she comes from, her family mm-hmm. comes from, yeah. and she is like a fish out of water. And now she is still the badass that she was mm-hmm. when she showed up. Mm-hmm. But she also gets active. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, part of Charlie's journey in a lot of ways is like it's the learning about herself, but it's what she does with that. Yeah, right. That's right. That really helps to shape that story. That's right. What do you think Charlie's story has to tell us and America mm-hmm. about who we are now mm-hmm. and who we can become? So much of it is about her revealing, especially for the people in power, who they really are to themselves. Mm-hmm. Part of what she's asking us to do is to face our history and face the legacy of white supremacy and patriarchy. Mm. Like if, if I were to name it, that's what she's really doing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because she doesn't, it's not named in the show. Very, very seldom is she like, this is some white supremacist racist bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like very seldom <laughs> does she actually call it that. I mean, I don't think she has. And I'm glad for that. It's more powerful. Once you hear words that have been used academically, that have been used to name necessarily, but they've now named it and they've been in conversation, they can lose the emotionality and the, and the sort of visceral primal energy. And I think her suffering at times, especially when it comes to her family and what's happening in terms of the power dynamics in her community, it comes from a visceral knowing of her worth. And so I think part of what she is, is unapologetically powerful. Mm. And she is a call. It is like a call to step into and fully inhabit that part of yourself. That's what I think she's doing, is calling us to ourselves. Anybody else hearing that call? It's a call to come into ourselves. I heard that. Come through. So you're an artist and you clearly create your art with your lens as an activist as well. And you've talked a lot about the power of storytelling to change the world and clearly you inhabit Charlie in a way 
that has that intention to it. Was there a story that transformed you or that you draw from when you think about yeah. your power as a storyteller? I remember there was this play that no one's going to know called Sorrows and Rejoicings. And that's an Athel Fugard play. Mm. And Athel Fugard is a South African playwright. Mm -hmm. And there was a character that I saw on stage. She was mixed race. And I remember her monologue hitting my body and feeling like for the first time, I feel understood about how freakish I feel. Mm. And it was, it was finally being said. And I was already in, at Juilliard then. If I were to mark one moment, I think that was it where I understood fundamentally without even being able to language it, what happened for me. And now I feel like I can language it. And I feel like I've been searching for people who have also taken a part in every way, including scientifically, mm -hmm. you know, like John Powell mm. and, and the Haas Institute. And just even some of the, the studies out there around the parts of the brain that light up when details in story happen, then those parts of the brain literally tell the person, oh, I'm seeing a human. Mm -hmm. And that previous to that moment, they weren't lighting up. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like evidence for how story is transformative. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think about your activism and some of the work that you've done to shine a light and to humanize different issues. What are you working on right now that you feel really passionate about? You know, I've been um, sort of in this conversation around incarceration in Los Angeles, in particular, in particular in Los Angeles. And it has really brought me to um, a confronting of myself because the interplay between immigration mm -hmm. and incarceration and the history of it, it feels like I'm answering questions that I've had since I was born mm. about why the cultural communities in Los Angeles are the way they are. There's an interrogation of ourselves, an interrogation of who we are and who we think we are. And those two things are not necessarily the same. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm, I'm finding in that issue. Is there a sun in that storm that you're finding? The sun is in a claiming and reclaiming of history. Mm. And it is a bringing to light of how we got here. Mm -hmm. And... For me, it's been a waking up of how much I've internalized, how much I normalized incarceration and its impact mm -hmm. in my life, in my family, in my communities. It was so, I remember like two years ago when someone asked a question like, you know, basically who here has incarceration impacted? And I didn't raise my hand because I was like, well, you know, it's not in my immediate family, mm -hmm. like in my immediate, immediate family. And I thought about the people in my family. I thought about how much of my energy goes to um, the fallout of incarceration just in my own family. And I was like, oh, like, why is my hand not up? Mm -hmm. It's because I've really normalized that. And I feel like there's a freeing of self that's happening as we confront what this has done to all of us. If we did have a baby, that would be you. <laughs> so can we just talk about this for a minute? I read um, a story about um, you coming into your own identity. Mm -hmm. And so often 
when we talk about identity, we do it in these really piecemeal weird ways, right? Like I'm one eighth this, I'm, you know, seven quarters this, right? And that comes from colonialism. 100%. I mean, I said it, okay. Um, <laughs> which is just like a big fancy way of saying like quantifying ourselves because it's a way to distribute power. That's right. Or not distribute it. Um, but we're actually 100% of ourselves all the time, right? So. Talk to me a little bit. How do you navigate being 100% black and 100% Chinese? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's actually my fiance who's also here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, he has witnessed my evolution and my own, I don't know if grappling is the right word, but my own nurturing of an identity. And he's also been with all of my family on both sides and mm -hmm. has seen culture play itself out yep. as culture does. And so at some point he said to me, Dawn, because, you know, being, saying, saying I'm half this and half that, I'm half Chinese and half black, it was accurate in a way in terms of like, yeah, my mom was Chinese, my dad's black, but it never felt whole. It always felt fracturing. Mm -hmm. It, it just never felt good, um, but there was no other way to say it. And at one point, he said to me, Dawn, you are 100% black and 100% Chinese. Come through. That's just true. And here's what I have to say about it. I am very, very clear. The world experiences me as a black woman. I'm very clear the world does not see me as an Asian woman, at least not at first. And so I'm clear that I don't know the world through an Asian person's eyes in terms of how the world sees me. Mm -hmm. So I can't speak to that lens. And that's just true. And I've been incredibly lucky and blessed that all the models in my life of black women were all women that I'm like, yeah, mm. I'm very good with this. I'm very good with this situation. And culturally, I am 100% both. I really am. And it has been difficult for me to trust that people will hear that quote from that article and not interpret that as, oh, I'm not just black, mm. right? Because there's a history uh -huh, of that, uh -huh, uh -huh. right? And for me, I, I've heard that most of my life and recognized in that, that that's anti-blackness internalized. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Mm -hmm. The reality is that's the story of this country now, right? Is that more and more of us in this country are 100% a lot of things. And that's not really how this country was supposed to be set up, but look what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're about to take over. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you think that that story and that experience can teach us about the world that we're trying to build? For me, what it can teach us is that in order to move forward to a world society where people can live free, abundant lives, we have to include all of ourselves. And it is on us to do that first. Mm. Mm. I still struggle with um, fears of being rejected by the communities that I identify with. I think that if, if there's one thing to do, it's to heal, mm. especially as people of color. It's the most radical thing we can do. You better I, come on with these tips and tricks. <laughs> Come through with these tips and tricks. I mean, this is how 
we be powerful Mm -hmm. in a time of incredible chaos and crisis. Absolutely. Speaking of belonging to different communities, um, you are also, you're a part of a community of activism, right? You're also a part of a community of artists here in Hollywood, storytellers. Um, And I'm curious, as somebody who's part of both of those communities, what you um, wish your activist community understood about Hollywood and what you wish your Hollywood community understood about activism? There's two things. There can be like this sort of transactional experience between activists and celebrities slash actors slash Hollywood folk. And I think sometimes it's underestimated how deeply celebrities or Hollywood folk, how deeply they want to engage. It's more than I, would, I as an actor would have guessed. And I can say that because I felt so alone in it. And it wasn't until I started talking about it that people said to me, I don't think you're alone in that. Mm. I think there are a lot more people who feel that way than you think there are. And they were right. Mm. I know that we can be crazy. Like the Hollywood <laughs> folk can be crazy. Mm. That's no, really. that's a real thing. It's real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even beyond that, they wouldn't step up unless there was something pulling, something saying, I want to be engaged, not just um, for this one little thing and we're going to have an exchange, but I want to understand deeply. Mm. And I think I wish that the Hollywood community understood just how much of your heart and soul and spirit and... Mm. um, Tell this whole truth. I mean, it's mm. like, it makes me, it, it actually, it makes me want to cry because seeing people on the front lines who are, first of all, just courageous enough to imagine a different world, right? Second of all, like working and feeling and hearting and loving mm-hmm. and fighting mm-hmm. and <sighs> giving everything mm-hmm. to bring that into being. I wish that they understood that because I think that so many people give that to their work mm-hmm. and would be able to relate with that mm-hmm. and respect it differently, mm-hmm. hold it differently, um, not be as concerned with all the risk-averse concerns mm-hmm. that often Hollywood folk mm-hmm. are concerned with. You know what? Yes, give it up. I want to close our conversation out by shifting from this moment that feels so bonkers. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm trying to fill a hole with, like, a teaspoon. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then other times, I'm like, yo, we're on a roll. So I want to shift to all the gratitude that I have and that we have and that is out there, right, for... um, the incredible momentum that we are building, whether we see it every day or not. Mm-hmm. So in that vein, um, what do you feel most grateful for? I'm grateful for all the storm mm. and all the sun that is emerging in the midst of it that we l- literally didn't know how to see before. Oh, and also winning is a form of self-care. <laughs> This is, this is one of our slogans at Sunstorm. We do have to do all the things. 
We have to support each other. We have to build community. We have to have time with our families. We have to get sleep, right? We have to take care of ourselves in all the ways, whatever that means. And winning is self-care. Mm. Yes. Okay, so we have time for a lightning round with all the deepest questions possible. So let me start off with the biggest one. How can I be most effective as an activist in 2020? Quick thoughts, Don, quick. Do yourself work. Come on, okay. Aijen? Sign up to turn out others to vote, right? Um, I'm gonna say find your lane, get in it, and like get in it good. Not everybody's got to carry a sign or a bullhorn. Maybe your thing is drinking wine and reading the Constitution to see what it's really talking about. But whatever your lane is, there is not an option to do nothing. Get in that lane, get comfy in there, and like perform. We got stuff to do. Okay, moving on. Um, next one. This is great. What is one personal practice that you do that you believe advances the world that we want to see? Dawn? I meditate. Boom. Hi, Jen. I every so often make a list of five women who um, I think don't get enough shine. And I put uh, next to each of their names, like, what's one little thing or big thing I could do to give them some shine? And I just go through the list and do those things. That's true. That's you see why I love her? It's like a real thing. Um, mine is deep belly laughs at least once a week. <laughs> Last one, equally big. What do you think we need or need to do to combat a future where women who run for office may very well have evidence of their sexuality used against them to punish them? <sighs> Um, I can answer that. We need to fight like hell for women to be able to run for office and not be punished because of things that we're doing consensually. Men never get punished for their sexuality. We have a president who has bragged not only about violating women, but has also said, I can get away with it. I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and walk away. So I think we need to gangster women who are running to take power in the same way that dudes gangster us to keep dudes in power who do terrible things. That's what I think. And you? <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, okay, good girl, good. I, as a storyteller, think that story spaces, media, need to take it on. Mm -hmm. And we need to unpack, we need to name mm -hmm. these dynamics mm -hmm. and own them. Mm -hmm. Own them, own mm -hmm. that we've created them. Own that, I should say patriarchy created them really. Mm -hmm. But own, own that we are all in relationship to them. Mm. It is the role of art, the role of story to provide a space to transform that energy of shock and rage <laughs> into um, action. I agree. Some There's some really deeply held beliefs and feelings, conscious and unconscious, 
that are deep in our culture that we have to unearth and undo. And I agree that storytellers have a huge role to play. And storytellers together with movements where we propel people into action is like a powerful antidote to this force. The other thing I will say is that I'm not saying that women make mistakes. I mean, we all make mistakes. We live in an unforgiving world. Mm. And the thing that privilege buys you is room for error. Mm. And what we can do is we can create a buffer mm-hmm. around people. That's right. To make up for that difference. That's right. To allow the space for people to be human. Come on. Join me in saying thank you, thank you, thank you to Don, Leanne, Gardner for an incredible, I mean, I got smoke coming out my ears. I need to like, I need a support group for this conversation. We need to talk. We need a discussion guide. It's all the things. Um, You really are the light in the storm. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Get home safe, everybody. Sunstorm is a project of the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Sunstorm is executive produced by Alicia Garza, Ai-Jen Poo, Christina Mevs-Apgar, and Jess Morales-Riquetto. Sunstorm is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Our production team is Jocelyn Gonzalez, Shelby Sandlin, Mary Philip Sandy, and Mia Warren. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. Um, I love comedy 2020 goals yeah Hashtag 2020 i have goals. one joke like <laughs> yes we need this we need one this joke, joke.